This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, September 7th, 2021, and it's the Relevant Podcast back on a Tuesday. Love it. We missed you guys. Uh, here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, and mogul, Derek Miner. Yowski. In full health, still. We're <clears throat> watching his vitals. We're monitoring his status. He's doing great. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. He's he's lifting weights like Donda era Kanye West, and that's a reference to last <laughs> Friday's show. If you didn't hear it, G- guys, so. I have I have, right. some, I have some I have some tremendous. Oh, yeah. you can tell us who's on the show, and then I have some tremendous. Yeah, news yeah we have a great show. Just to let y'all know what's coming up today, worship artist House Fires Pat Barrett joins us. Really excited about that. We also have uh, some of the relevant team joining us to tell you guys about our brand new fall issue, which releases today. You can go check it out at RelevantMagazine.com. We will tell you all the behind the scenes and some other really exciting news about stuff that's coming up this fall at Relevant. We've been working on it for a long time, and we're excited for you guys to finally find out about it. So that's coming up later in the show as well. We also have slices and all that. But Jesse, I can just see on your face, you've got something burning. Huge news. Well, what's going on? I, I got some tremendous news. Well, I made some tremendous news. And oh, no. what happened was, you know, I have a I have a young son and he really wants to start playing flag football. And things are, you know, things are kind of coming back to life uh, post COVID. Little leagues and you know restaurants and, and and concerts and things. So we signed him up and we got a notification that unfortunately his team does not have a coach and they need one. And no without consultation from my son or my family, I immediately, uh, confidently volunteered to be the head coach of this uh, of this uh, flag football team. Now, <laughs> Jesse, I have, have you ever played organized football? Not once, but I, I'm almost. I am almost certain. I am almost you certain. You could do it. I'm almost certain I can get us on ESPN in prime time against against an elite team. How old is your son? Like Bishop Sycamore. Yeah, yeah, how old yeah. is your son? From what I, he's eight years old, and okay. uh, you know he's in the yard doing push-ups, and he's been out there for about three and a half hours now, getting preparing uh, at my yeah. command. But yeah, the plan is uh, draw up some trick plays, think a little outside the box, do a little annexation <laughs> of Puerto Rico. Uh, but you, you know, played you played intramural at ORU as yeah, I did, right? You played right. intramural football, that's so right. you did play some organized football, yeah, you're good. flag football. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, no, it was. It, he, it, he's not good, Jamie. Don't say that to him. <laughs> Listen, listen. He it doesn't have to tell the eight-year-olds what direction to run. I mean, I've identified, I've identified, I did it, I've identified the top five five flag football programs in the country right now, and I am pitching them games. And you should see the pitch this I have to ESPN. Lasso. I have a pitch to ESPN that I'm pretty. Listen, I've heard their standards are dipping a little, and they're desperate for content right now. And I'm pretty sure I can get these kids on there, and we're going to shock the world, or we might get blown out like fifty-seven to zero and have the commentators questions while we're on television <laughs> during the live game. But this, um, this is Ted Lasso, though, except yeah. unlike Ted Lasso, Jesse is molding young minds. That's right. <laughs> so There's a twist. Is, There's you're a leaving twist. a permanent imprint on their, their life direction. <laughs> These kids are going to be <laughs> the worst football players of all time. <laughs> Why didn't you... Why didn't you talk to your wife first? Because here's the thing. Does your son, is he okay with this? Here's the thing. 
neither of those points are relevant. The thing is, in coaching, <laughs> here's here's where a lot of coaches go wrong. Okay, yeah, they, they use their head Lack too much. Confidence. They, no, they yeah. use their head too much. They're, they're overthinking. Okay, sports are about your gut. Okay, what do I think should happen right here? Should I should I analyze this situation or should I just wildly flail myself into the middle of the scrum? It's always you know, wildly flailing think, to the scrum. Think about what you're doing, Jesse. I'm I'm being serious. Okay, so professional athletes. I mean, yes. journalists. Anybody. Anybody who's a great professional in their field. Mm-hmm. It's not as after they graduated college. It's not even their college. It's the <laughs> the teachers that inspired them, taught them, and molded them to even let them know that they wanted to go that direction in college. So. These children are learning the fundamentals of the game for the first time from somebody who has never played the game and has no knowledge of that stuff. No, I'm ignoring the fundamentals and I'm reinventing reinventing the game to something to take it to a new level. Okay, like also it's flag football, like just run fast and grab the flags. I don't know. These high school kids are like, who taught you how to play? Well, it's my little league coach. You know, like, like Jesse, you are yeah. setting these. You're going to mess these kids up if you don't teach them how to play, man. L- listen, I know conventionally, and I, trust me, I've tried to design plays on Madden where they won't even allow you to do three back laterals before doing a Hail Mary. And I don't understand it. If you draw it up, it will work. Okay? So, I played enough Nerf cul-de-sac games to know the winner of those games are the ones that are willing to, you know, get a little creative with play execution here. And so, you know, you guys are, I thought you guys would be like, man, this is awesome. Wow. This is, this is like, this is like a, this is like a a feel good movie. This is an awful decision, Jesse. Well, I, I cannot wait to just, you know, you have YouTube. You this we live in a day and age. You can learn how to do anything. I mean, you're it. the guy who's like, if you gave me six don't weeks, I could it. be in the NFL. No, he's not gonna go watch co- how <laughs> to coach football videos, nope, Jamie. Nope, nope. That's the problem. I want YouTubers out there filming me to put online to show what a creative approach to this game looks like. Okay, Jesse's not... life is a milk crate challenge. He's just doing stuff <laughs> before he thinks it through. You know what I mean? He's halfway on. The, he's halfway up. At, all of a sudden, you're on that toppest tower of the milk crates, and things start swaying, and it's decision time. Yeah. Okay, and I ain't jumping. <laughs> one, of these, one of these kids is gonna grow up, and they're gonna be like, "Man, you know, I just want to, you know, th- you know, they're gonna be a pro football player. They're gonna be like, "Man, I just want to thank Jesse mm. for showing me everything not to do." I tell people football coach was trash. <laughs> like, That's a great point. There's I two ways to do. learn something Look. to be taught how to do it and to be shown what not to do. And so you learn from that. I, I agree. Derek, listen, this is a good, it's a good call. It's a listen, good our good buddy, our good buddy, friend of the show. Now on, he, I, he, well, I was walking through the house this morning, grabbing my, my morning seltzer and my son had on TV and our good buddy, Sam Macho's there on get up. He's there like three days a week this you morning. Need to call him. I'll get I'll call him up. I we can get him on this show and I'll run him some creative ideas. We'll see what a, he's a pro. Okay. And he appreciates my creative mind. Even if you guys don't, I'm going to go run this league and I don't care what you haters hey. say. I feed off the hate. I feed. And that's what I'm going to teach my players. Hey. Feed off the hate. Hey, for real. Let's try to book. He's let's, Hey, he can promote the show. Let's try and get Sam on the show. He can be a guest on an upcoming episode and then we will 
talk about all the stuff he wants to promote. Why and then is we're y'all gonna finna waste him. this man time? No, Sam's <laughs> awesome. Listen, I've, 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 wasted, I've wasted this, so much man, of Sam's man time. Is, this man is busy. Cameron, is on I ESPN. think we should all, we should all <laughs> present a play to him for Jesse, and then he's going to pick which one he thinks Jesse should use. Yes, and no. I will do it. Yeah. I will do it, because you know why? I'm the coach, and no one can tell me I can't. I'm going to waste this man time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move the show along. Uh, Stay tuned. Up next, it's licensed. I'm waiting for the night to come. I'm waiting for the tide to pull me in. I'm waiting till I find the one, someone who will take me as I am. I'm waiting for the night to call. You're listening to Cold War Kids. The song is What You Say. Okay, it's time for Slices. We gotta update that. We gotta update that. It's a new era of the podcast. Let's update the Slices jingle. Don't you think? A little something, a little Let's something fresh. Something it up a little bit. Nice. Jazz it Why up. Why not? Let's see. Maybe we'll just like test it out over the coming weeks. Different options. We can do different prototypes and we can let people right. vote on what they like. I like that. Yeah. Okay. What do you have, Jesse? Uh, all right. Well, I'll, I'm just going to warn you guys. I picked this slate partly, partly because I wrote a bunch of one-liners. I'm going to rattle off after I read it. So uh, you guys can tell me how interesting you think it is. But I actually didn't wait. Think it was you're doing premeditated co- comedy. I never do this. You never I, do. I, it I never, never do goes this. well. It always it always goes terribly. It, it, it's <laughs> it like always flops. It, it's yeah. It's it's like watching you know clips of Jay Leno in the waning years when it was just you know even Kevin Eubanks had had enough at that point and it was you know. <laughs> you know, like it was just, yeah. Anyway, I did it, but they all just hit me at one time. So I jot them down. But uh, so there was a recently uh, uh, some interesting research conducted both by ultimateguitar.com and the the world famous guitar maker Fender. For people who don't know Fender, they make uh, some of the most popular guitars in the world the Stratocaster, the Telecaster, uh, Jazzmaster. And a lot of really popular uh, bass guitars and acoustic guitars. Anyway, um, these two groups have, uh, you know, looked at some recent uh, numbers from uh, uh, some consumer reports and Fender's own sales reports and determine that uh, one in three guitars that are currently being sold are are being used in a praise and worship setting at a church. One in three. Um, now, if you, Amazing. It, it, if you if you shake that out, that comes. Is that why last time I was at Guitar Center, uh, they they were playing worship music overhead. Yeah, I was I was at Guitar Center, and they actually were having an altar call right there, which was uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, really, a third of people yeah. in there believer leaders yeah. in a church. So they, yeah, they according to uh, the estimates that uh, they believe that it probably shakes out to uh, all musical instruments. It's probably not just analogous to guitars, but guitars are a huge seller. Um, now uh, that shakes out to uh, roughly six hundred million dollars a year annually that is going to uh that is spent Mm. on instruments that are used primarily for praise and worship that's almost a half billion dollars a year that people are spending on instruments uh, many of which are guitars for uh uh uh, church settings now ultimate guitar did some research and they kind of you know did what they call kind of back of the napkin research to kind of figure out how this could possibly be the case now if you consider that there are over three hundred thousand congregations 
segregations in the country by their conservative estimate, uh, even if only a third of those uh, feature guitar as you know part of the service, which I actually think that is pretty conservative. Um, that yeah. still dwarfs the amount of nightclubs and bars in this country, which only a fraction of those play live music. And so they're like, look, if you're looking for people who purchase uh, instruments to play with some degree of you know professionalism, it would make sense when when you um, when you shake mm-hmm. out the numbers. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, I I, 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 I dug into some other numbers here, guys, um, and it looks hmm. like a third of all the bass guitars are also purchased, but about uh, three quarters of those, the sound guy never actually turns on. <laughs> Oh, you can never, you can never ah, hear the bass player. Yeah. Uh, oh, looks like, let's according to the numbers, about half have been used to put Christian lyrics to mainstream songs for TikTok videos. Did you guys see that? Did you guys see that? About half of the numbers are saying. Uh, oh, looks, it looks like about a fifth of these guitars are used in some sort of elaborate proposal among Christian college couples who've only been dating for less than a semester. So very, very cool there. Um, oh, they also found that many of these guitars, especially for churches, Clark, you're going to love this one. Uh, come with a comically elaborate pedal board just in case a worship service breaks out into a radio radiohead concert uh, again these are the stats these are the ca- oh here here's another I, they're actually making special worship only guitars they only have four frets so that you can just play g c d and a over and over again and occasionally a minor chord for the altar call so it's uh you know they they also sell what they call the holy trinity pack for evangelical churches which is a core triton uh a fender guitar and in a peck plexiglass uh, drum cage. So they have that deal going too. Um, I'll just stop there because these are not landing. These are landing about how I Clark thought. Clark is laughing at all of them. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Derek has I've just chosen there. to look away, <laughs> which I cannot blame him for. I gotta, I gotta let y'all have this one. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what are the two? Uh, Fender and who? Who are the... Get, Gibson or who's the other guitar manufacturer? Gibson's the the other big one. So who conducted this study was Fender and the website ultimateguitar.com, which is sort of uh, in addition to like music stuff, also has a lot of industry uh, news. So I wonder if it's going to turn into a thing where like Fender becomes like the charismatic brand and Gibson is the Baptist brand and it's going to be like Bible translations or something. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I, I do feel like uh, there are certain, like you can almost match a word worship leader's personality guitar uh, jamie i know you, you know your yeah. husband's uh you know uh-huh. a musician if if someone pl- is playing like a fender telecaster they're probably uh into some edgier worship music if they're a stratocaster they're playing like old lincoln brewster songs you know what i mean like you can definitely tell you can tell by the guitar no offense to you know, lincoln what, brewster no i'm not saying it's offensive i'm he just, just saying loves the lord he's just doing his best jesse Why how is that how like is that, that a dick how is that a dig that Stratocaster players like him? I'm just saying it's not like you know, Jamie. You've observed you've observed this. You could I could you could you could show me a worship leader and I could probably with some degree of accuracy guess what kind of guitar they play just by looking. I have at to them. send you a picture of Aaron with his guitar and you can guess. I have no. What do you think Aaron plays? Have you ever seen a picture of my husband? Uh, does yeah. he play acoustic or electric? Acoustic. He wears his hat backwards. He, just remember that he has yeah. untucked shirts. He likes to wear uh-huh. jeans and I would, lots of tattoos. I would I would be willing to bet that he either plays a Taylor or a Martin. I think it's a Where Martin. Are you? <laughs> I texted him. I haven't heard back. I'll let yeah, you text know. him. See what he says. <laughs> but I'd be willing to bet from the images I've seen of him. He seems like a guy who would either own a Taylor or a Martin. All but, right. Uh, we'll I'll see. I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good stuff. All right. What do you have, Jamie? 
Okay, I really need to know what you guys think about this because I read an article uh, last week in the Times and then um, Tyler even told me about it. Okay, so at Harvard University, they have a new chief chaplain. Okay, you've heard of Harvard. Now, I didn't know what a chief chaplain was, so I looked at it. And so at a university, they will have chaplains for um, Christian, Jewish, Hindu, Muslim. Got it? All the different religions. Mm. And then this Mm -hmm. is the head of all of those. Well, their new chief chaplain is an atheist. What? Okay. Yeah. And At so Harvard, I was, which was founded as a religious university. Exactly. It, it was founded. Yeah. Yes, it says it was founded uh, in the 1630s about, mm-hmm. and it's, actually it said that their motto was truth for Christ and the church. Um, and so they've had lots of chaplains and actually um, it was named after a pastor, John Harvard. So all these things, and it, it was 70 years before the school even had a president that wasn't a clergyman. So it's got like a foundation in religion. And this was a unanimous vote from all of the clergy. They voted him to be the new head of clergy. Now, I went and just did a simple like definition of what um, a chaplain is. I, sh- I should I was saying clergy, I meant chaplain. What is chaplain? And it says that chaplains are both theologically educated and certified ministers. I just am confused about how you can have a chief chaplain right. who has yeah. no religion. And I guess maybe he would say that, I don't know. Do atheists say their religion is no religion? I don't know. But it feels concerning to me that you can have someone who's head of all of the chaplains who doesn't believe in a God at all, even though as a Christian, I would say that, you know, there is one true God and would differ than some of these other chaplains. It feels like a dis- it feels weird to me. Do you guys think it feels weird? Yeah, I, I have no response. I That's bizarre. <laughs> and I mean, and he was unanimously, it was a unanimous decision by all the other chaplains. He's a very likable guy. People love him. Um, and he just believes like, we don't need God. We just need each other. And and I am not debating what he thinks. I just wonder if he should be called a chaplain. Right, yeah, right. I, I, I think the title chief chaplain creates a certain expectation that the person doesn't just have a belief in spirituality, but has belief in some divinity. Right. Like right. I, I and so I don't want to discount an atheist, someone who's an atheist, their capacity to think about, you know, things that I think a lot of you know people who are religious would consider spiritual. Like I, I mm-hmm. and, and I would even honestly, I don't even think it would necessarily be, a you know, a bad. Pra- I wouldn't necessarily be critical of a chaplaincy, like a group of chaplains that would allow, you know, kind of, uh, you know, someone who would consider themselves an atheist, but might have interesting kind of thoughts about dialoguing with religious people to kind of be a part of that. But to be the chief chaplain, it does seem like it's redefining what the term a chaplain is. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it seems like baked into that is an expectation that this person has some knowledge of or relationship with a divine being, no matter right. what religion mm-hmm. they are, right? Like if you could say, hey, they're the, you know, it's the the Muslim chaplain or like an imam or what, you're like, it just seems like that term is loaded in a way that it creates an expectation for people who would use the chaplaincy services. Like if I was a religious mm-hmm. student and mm-hmm. I wanted to visit the chaplain, my expectation would be that that chaplain would be able to talk to me about the things of God. Now, their interpretation mm-hmm. of the things of God may be different, right. but if I was looking for someone who was, you know, had a more secular understanding of complicated issues that, you know, you, I would go see a chaplain for, 
I think I would be, um, you know, some maybe a, a little disappointed if that expectation wasn't met. Like I'd be willing mm-hmm. to meet with someone who absolutely be willing to meet with someone who is an atheist or of a different religion to talk about complicated issues. But I, I feel like it's a matter of expectation that seems to be uh, kind of lost there. Well, you know? I think if the, yeah. if the religion, I mean, I. I know it's probably maybe a little taboo for me to say, but I guess I sort of get it in the perspective that, you know, if I'm an atheist and, you know, I'm struggling with, and I believe that humanity is the epicenter and the peak of faith, then, Mm -hmm. and I look around and I see all of the frustrations and all of the bad stuff that's happening and I'm struggling with my faith in humanity then this chaplain makes sense in that, mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, I, yeah, I just, I just, think, I can see that too, but I don't know how we could say that he's going to be the chief chaplain yeah, over all of the other faith organizations. The well, they're saying that he's a, yeah. they're saying that atheism is a faith. It's, hmm. the, it's, it's not a, it's, it's a but faith. It's not, and it's the absence it's of a, faith. It, no, it's a faith. What they're saying is he's saying, he's not saying I don't have any faith in anything. I'm saying I have faith in mankind. Like mankind, in a sense, mankind is God. My faith yeah, is I'm with in Jesse mankind. Though, that I think the chaplaincy so, is a spiritual quest thing. I, not a, I think if I don't, you're yeah, I don't, I don't th- yeah, it sounds like, it, to me, what it sounds like is they have said that that's a viable, a viable option as far as faith is concerned, is that saying that mankind is the epicenter of life. And, and that's what they, that, now I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that that seems to be the flow of logic. I think your point is interesting. I hadn't thought of that. They are saying atheism is a faith equal to other faiths. Right. Then that makes sense in the structure of that department. But to Jesse's point of the purpose of the department and why people would utilize those staff members, it just feels like it's. Yeah, if I'm saying like, if I'm saying that all if I'm saying that all thought is equal, right? So I'm saying that everybody is on the same playing field. So that's for people that believe in Buddha, people that believe in Muhammad, people that believe in Yahweh, and then people that believe in humanity. Then it makes sense to have a chaplain that says, if you're struggling with, like if, you know, the political environment and all the riots and things like that has made you say, I'm losing faith in my God, which is humanity, like humanity is the epicenter. If I'm losing faith in that, then you need someone to help spur you in the right direction. As in a sense where a Christian would say, God, why are you allowing all these things to happen? I need a chaplain to help me wrestle through these ideas. It sounds like that's kind of the thing. Now I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I'm like, this seems like that's the flow of logic though. I think that Derek, that's fine. I just think that maybe we call him like a a helper or someone else besides a chaplain, because that gives a connotation that there's a faith aspect there. And also from reading the article in the times, um, you know, one of the students says, Greg, this guy leadership isn't about theology. It's about cooperation between people of different faiths and bringing people together uh, who wouldn't normally consider themselves religious. So it sounds like his job is like, hey, I want to maintain unity between all of the different chaplains, yeah. which I think they need that. And, and, and it's okay that he's atheist, but it just, to me, it's hard that his title is that. Yeah. I, I, well, and I do think, I think the other kind of thing that it, it illustrates is 
I think for a long time, Christians have had an unnecessarily antagonistic relationship with people who are atheists. You know, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but it's a lot of times interactions between at least high profile interactions between Christians and atheists were always sort of framed as some sort of debate or, you know, mm. intellectual sparring match about the validity of, of the worldviews, right? Where two minute or two people enter, one person leaves, you know, sort of type of right. discussion instead of trying to understand you know, look, even if like, hey, look, you don't believe in a God, I do, but I still think just as a person, your shared experience as a human could offer maybe some valuable insights to help me relate to other people better. You know, like, I, I don't feel like a relation, I, I think it's good that at least it's a signal that a relationship between a traditionally religious Christian institution and someone who is openly atheist is not antagonistic, but cooperative. I think that's probably possible. Positive. Um, but I do think right. it's it's um, it's something where, uh, again, like I said, it, it's just kind of confusing that it's the he has a title that a lot of people would associate with someone who is traditionally religious. Yeah. 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 It's, right. it's, it's wild. All right. What do you have, Derek? Yeah. Uh, Mountain Dew got flaming hot Cheeto Mountain Dew. So, I mean, I, it's gross. a slice. Gross, gross, really, gross. Let's have, it's, let's it's, have it's, a nine-minute discussion about the validity of the flaming hot Cheeto flavor. <laughs> just I'm sorry, just to, sorry to let y'all down. And I know That's hilarious. that after the Harvard conversation. Gross. But, I mean, hey, if you, if you like flaming hot Cheetos in the liquid form, Hold on, hold on. Does it taste like Mountain Dew with Flamin' Hot Cheetos put into the Mountain Dew? So it's both flavors? Nah, I think so. I think whatever seasoning that they're using for Flamin' Hot Cheetos or whatever, they're just... Uh Adding that to the Mountain Dew recipe, so you can only. That's what I'm saying. So it's both flavors of Mountain Dew and Flamin' Hot Cheetos together in a bottle. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's whatever their thing is. You know, they what probably mean? looked like, around at the kids and they're like, like orange Fanta and grape Fanta. It's like there are two separate flavors. You're talking about it is Mountain Dew. It's it's made by Mountain Dew, but it's their right. it's their Mountain Dew version. So it's like you know how you have White Rush Mountain Dew or whatever mm-hmm. Cold Red Mountain Dew. This is their this is their hot Cheeto or hot flaming hot. Who wants uh, that Mountain in their Dew. mouth? recipe so i don't know who wants that in their mouth hey real talk this is what it is i guarantee you if they if they put an obscene amount of caffeine and alcohol in this thing it would be the most popular drink in the world like it would be like (laughs) it would be fireball yeah, exactly. We've invented caffeinated fireball at that point, but yeah, it's right. like it just seems like they're just kind of like trolling by making the craziest drink possible. Just it almost seems like, hey, maybe they're just selling it as a novelty. I'm not gonna lie, it's effective because I will definitely try it. Like if I see it at seven eleven, Jesse, like, don't lie. It. You're gonna have a cooler full of it at the next game for your yeah. football <laughs> team. So <laughs> for your kids, kids are gonna be running all over the place. No Gatorade. They just gonna be dehydrated. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, they are just, you know, yeah, they're all hyped up on on sugar and whatever those spice <laughs> ingredients are and and, and flaming hot Doritos. Yeah, that's absolutely disgusting. All so right, disgusting. well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Pat Barrett joins us. Because when I'm in a room with you, that missing piece is found. Yeah. Uh-huh.
You're listening to Vance Joy. The song is Missing Peace. Well, today's show is also brought to you by Faith-Driven Entrepreneurship. Now, what does entrepreneurship have to do with the gospel? Uh, It can be a lonely journey, but it doesn't have to be. God has a purpose and a plan for all those entrepreneurial dreams and creative gifts He's given you. Join other faith-driven entrepreneurs as together we identify the values, habits, and traits that empower us to successfully build businesses, serve our communities, and faithfully pursue a loving relationship with God. You can read stories that exemplify how those values, habits, and traits unfold in everyday life and discover the potential God wants to unleash through our work. Read all about it in the new book, Faith-Driven Entrepreneur, available wherever books are sold. Well, our guest today is Pat Barrett, best known as one of the lead singer-songwriters for the band House Fires. Pat is a worship leader based in Atlanta. You probably know his songs, Build My Life and Good, Good Father. We sat down with him to uh, talk about his new song with Dante Bow, why he's inspired by, yep, Kanye West, and how, for him, being a great musician is just as important for worship leaders as being a good songwriter. Here's part of our conversation with Pat Barrett. Okay, so before we get into talking about music, well, before we get into talking about your music, you, uh, <laughs> it sounds like you have some, we were chatting a little bit before I started recording here, you have some thoughts on Kanye West, right? So, my wife and I, like, we moved a year and a half ago outside of Atlanta, and in this neighborhood, there's a pond. There's just a pond in the front of the, of the neighborhood. It's really close to the Marvel Studios. So, in this pond, <laughs> Meg and I and our kids, we started seeing, like, bunch of like people in the water and what is what is going on and what was going on is a stage was being built (laughs) under the water in the pond so that on that sunday there would be a sunday service where the the sunday service choir would they walked out onto the water that sunday morning it was like 7 a.m and an organ starts playing in our neighborhood and the choir walks out onto the water to the middle of the lake and they start to sing. It, it's like top three most inspiring, provoking. Really? Yes. And I think it's because of all the questions it brought up as well. Not only being inspired, like, oh my gosh, these songs are like, obviously, like, as the sun is rising, people, a choir walking out on the water and singing songs of worship loud i mean like shake your chest cavity loud and and then you look around and you realize like no one's told anyone about this what is this for is this like just uh i think the questions it it was it was such a strange feeling as someone who like loves to be inspired by creative things and you know you're always looking for things that like connect the questions i started asking after that experience were like okay if if I were to just do something, if it was for my own creative outlet or endeavor, whatever it is, like, is there something that burns in you enough that you'd still do it anyway? Enough to not tell anyone about it. I can dine with the kings and queens. My name go down in history. But if I don't have love, it means nothing. 
What can you tell me about your collab with Dante Bo? What, what was the origin story there? I think there's a part of songwriting where you just like, it's like a big question mark to me. You can come in with like, you know, loaded ideas and, you know, something in your pocket that you want to share. And sometimes that's like amazing. And then there's also like the moments where you just see what happens. You just talk, you catch up with a bunch of people that you may have not seen in a long time or, and then whatever transpires out of that conversation kind of happens. And one of the things that was happening was there was, a, there was like a Casio keyboard. It wasn't a Casio. Maybe it was a Casio. I think it was. There's an organ setting that's just like standard on a keyboard with speakers on it. And sat down and just started playing that. And automatically, like in the room with like, it was me, Dante, Cody Carnes, and Chris Kilala. It's not like our conversation was driven in that direction, but just kind of started. I can write a melody. All of heaven's choir sing, but if I don't have love, then it means nothing. And I think after the last year and a half, two years, you know, of people, myself included, experiencing like pretty severe change and, you know, you name it, whatever happens in your own life that you stop caring about <laughs> all the things you get overly hyped up about and you you go back to like this foundational ground level of question of what like actually matters in my life during the collaboration of that and then the singing of it with Dante I remember having the same feeling singing it together that we had when we were writing it which was like gosh we're like we're actually dealing with forever things right now and you can go as far as to say when you have that perspective like then everything matters when that's your primary lens and everything is actually beautiful and meaningful when you don't have that lens you can get just lost and meander through without guidance and for me it's just like a it's like a compass that's what this song felt like i'm holding out for something so impressed with the with the production on the song and I'm curious because I feel like something and this is on me too because I interview a lot of people who are sort of in the worship um, in the in the Christian church music scene and very rarely do I ask you guys about like craft and instruments and product you know like guitar world doesn't really come into talk you know isn't, isn't calling you and i'm wondering if that ever either you or the or, or you and dante the guys that you talk like does that ever bother you that you get asked these questions about god and spirituality big important questions that we care about but the actual creative your like talent and your skill that you bring into all of this isn't really feels very secondary to a lot of those conversations in a way that maybe it isn't for people like Bruce Springsteen or, or Kanye West or Imagine Dragon. You know what I mean? What a great question. And my answer to that personally is like, it actually does not bother me. However, I think traditionally that's been one of the biggest criticisms of, you know, from this type of space about this yeah. space that I'm in. And you know, it's funny when I, when I think about songwriting, like, Every song I've been a part of writing, my permanent image of that song is always me at a piano 
or at a guitar or in the moment it was kind of being written like i could give you those moments now of each of those songs like where i was so i i always even my reference point for it is like in its most simple form what still inspires me especially with when i think about people coming together kanye sunday service choir the sound of voices singing together even over a simple bit of music still just like it's shocking to me and what i've been most excited even creatively there are trends of like bigger louder more stuff more tracks it's almost like a washed wall of sound so when i hear things and experience things or i'm I'm a part of a song that has something that has like minimalistic presentation it's it feels like a breath of fresh air i learned this lesson at like a during a big tour where a bunch of people playing and every set was so loud. It was amazing. It was like, it was so wonderful. And I found myself trying to work up energy to match that level of, you know, sensory explosions, right? (laughs) This is a true story. I got done with the first night of this tour and I had to regroup because I felt like I almost like lost myself unintentionally, subconsciously trying to like match intensity. And then so the next day, I did something different. I sang as quiet as I could, and it sounded louder. When things are like minimal, you have to like lean in a little bit, you know? And that's all of a sudden, that's what I felt. So in production with songs, that's what I'm, that's the feeling that I want, no matter what. I want to feel like I've leaned into it. That was Pat Barrett. Make sure to check out relevantmagazine.com for more of that conversation. And stay tuned. Up next, we're telling you all about the brand new fall issue of Relevant Magazine. I spotted you today. I was in my car. I wanted to come and see you from afar. If you turned around and saw me, I would die. I pretend I was a person driving by. Wrote you a song, do you wanna hear it now? Don't bring your friends along to form a crowd Cause I need to prove I wrote it just for you What's the need for them when it could be just You're listening to Pink Pantheress The song is just for me Well, every quarter we have the privilege of telling you about the brand new issue of Relevant. And our fall edition releases, guess what? Today. So you are hearing about it first. It's an exciting issue. Uh, I can't wait for you to find out about it. But before, I also want to tell you at the end of this segment, I have some big news that you don't want to miss about some other things that are coming up right around the corner. So yeah, so don't, don't fast forward. All right. Joining us to talk about the fall issue of Relevant, Relevant Senior Editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, man. Hey, everybody. And also joining us, Relevant's new Associate Editor, Downtown, Emily Brown. Hey, Emily. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, don't, don't get her confused with Downtown Julie Brown, old nope. school MTV VJ fans. Very different. Cameron had to explain that to the whole team. Very different. Very different. None of us knew who Downtown <laughs> Julie true. Brown was. We started calling her Downtown Julie Brown or Emily Brown. I didn't question it. I was just like, okay. Fully, the Downtown came from Downtown Julie Brown. 
All right, so the fall issue of Relevant, the new cover is none other than A-list actress Jessica Chastain. Now, here's what's crazy. She's on the cover of Vanity Fair right now. She's on the cover of Vogue right now. What in the world? She is starring in in a new movie that's coming out this month called The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and it is the story she's starring with Andrew Garfield. She is, they are uh, portraying Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, the famous televangelist. And it's actually a project that she, it's like a passion project for her. She's been the one pushing it for years. And Tyler, you talked to her. Tell us about it. I did. Yeah. Oh, great conversation. She's, this is a, this was a real passion project for her. I wasn't aware of this. She's not just starring in it, but she's been the driving force behind wanting this movie to get made. She really believes that Tammy Faye got kind of an unfair shake in the cultural mindset. And she hopes this movie can recorrect a lot of our uh, ideas about who Tammy Faye really was. Uh, And the movie does that really, really well. Great movie. And I'm glad I got to talk to her. I can't. It's, and I can't wait for y'all to read that that cover story. It's it's crazy, and you know our team is like, man, this is kind of a once in a generation thing where you have an A list actress like Jessica Chastain doing a passion project about a Christian, uh, you know, Christian TV story. It's kind of funny. All right. Well, also in the issue, uh, one of our favorite groups, Hillsong Young and Free. They have a new album. Uh, Emily, you got the chance to talk to them. Tell us about the piece. Yeah, it was really fun talking with them. Um, they had a new EP that came out uh, that. It was really interesting to hear how it came about because it started during the pandemic and there was like a one month window where they were able to record it before Australia went back into lockdown. Uh, So it was a crammed session, but uh, it was just really interesting to talk with them and hear kind of like the new voices that are coming up uh, with Young and Free. Um, And it was just really exciting to talk with them. So, so, so United turned into Young and Free. Now Young and Free is even transitioning and bringing up new Young and Free. They're younger and freer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yes, a problem. Yeah, they brought up some uh, some students from the youth group to help uh, write songs, sing on them. Um, so it's just really interesting to hear the new voice that's coming yeah. out of them. Speaking of hearing the new voice, here's a clip from Young and Free's new album. connected but not really connected i mean you could say they're connected from a movement standpoint we have a piece in the issue looking at how gen z is shaping the future of the church and how this generation is uh different than the generations before i think it's connected the young and freeze sure. kind of the the next gen united which was the next gen darlene check so yeah yeah anyway, kind of connected yeah tell us about the piece how is tell me now how is Gen Z shaping the future? Of the well, I'm not going to tell you everything right now, but uh, I, I will say that I was surprised at some of the findings that I had about the unique perspective that Gen Z can bring to the church and how the Gen Z is, is uh, I think, to correct them, a few misunderstandings. The Gen Z just isn't the future of the church. They're the president of the church and excited to reveal some of that in this piece. They're going to be... They're going to take the church in the direction of all the woke libs Mm -hmm. and and they're going to deconstruct everything to a wishy-washy. I'm sorry. I read too many of our Instagram comments. Um, Into the ground. (laughs) Into wokeism. (laughs) 
right. Uh, some other features in the issue, just the range, God, life, culture, justice. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we look at the student debt crisis mm-hmm. as a justice issue. We talk to uh, author Trillian Newbell about, about faith and how failures, our failures need to be a part of our faith. We talk to Erwin McManus, uh, about his new book, Jesus was a genius. That one surprised you, it didn't, didn't it? It surprised me. Yeah. I think, uh, Erwin McManus, obviously very well-known pastor, uh, very well-known author. And he has a reputation that, that he's for, for being extremely confident for being extremely sure of himself. So I would say that I was surprised at the vulnerability and the honestly, oh. uh, honestly, the, the humility that he brought to the conversation that I had with him uh, showed me a side of him that I had not seen before. Another conversation you told me was really significant in the in the article or in the issue is the article that we have with Philip Yancey mm-hmm. about how he left toxic religion but didn't lose his faith, yeah. which is something that is on the front of minds of a lot of our readers right now. I think it's really hard to know how to do that. Sometimes a lot of people who grow up in difficult religious environments don't know how to. Uh, whatever you call it, chew the meat and spit out the bones or whatever. Uh, but Philip uh-huh. has really done it. And, uh, and he, he's obviously become sort of an expert in over the course of his life and he's still doing it. He says, so he tells us a little, he kind of shares his secrets for pulling apart the, the good of religion from the negative elements of it that he's had in his life. Also in the issue, we got, uh, this is nuts. Uh, Jennifer Hudson, you know, you might've heard of her. She's starring as many, as everybody knows, she's starring as Aretha Franklin and the Aretha Franklin authorized biopic. Respect. Uh, yeah. uh, respect. Uh, you know, it's not enough for us sometimes to just have a conversation with a compelling person doing compelling uh, things. Why don't we have an, another compelling person jump in on the conversation? I mean, we decided who better to get than our very own Derek Miner, yeah. artist, producer, mogul. Yeah. Uh, he's the one who interviewed Aretha or Jennifer Hudson about being Aretha Franklin, <laughs> artist to artist about being an artist. I love it. Tell us about the it. D, the D minor J hug crossover. Everybody knew was coming. Finally it's happened. Finally here. Yeah, yeah, it was on the radar. Yeah. It happened. Check it out. And it couldn't. It couldn't have gone better. I'll say that. Derek's not on right now, but but it couldn't have gone better, Derek. Yeah, it did great. It's awesome. You don't want to miss it. Uh, also, another artist friend of ours, somebody we're excited about, brand new album. Uh, we talked to Andy Minio about recapturing the wonder of childlike faith. Mm-hmm. It's a great conversation. And just because we love his music, here's a clip of Andy's new album. It could be worse. Life is hard. I thank God. It could be worse. Life is hard. I thank God. It could be worse. Way, 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 way worse. Look. It could be worse. Used to be scared of the first. I used to pack up the merch. Go do the show. Had to put square on my phone. I used to pray that it Also in the issue, we have somebody who was here on the podcast just a couple weeks ago. Uh, speaker, author, Jackie Hill Perry. She wrote a piece on holiness. If you remember that conversation, it was about holiness and stuff. It was fantastic. Well, we had to write a piece for the issue. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah, it was great. Uh, she, you know, she just put out a book called Holier Than Thou, which is all about God's holiness. Um, and this piece is really interesting because it talks about how the way that we view God's holiness really affects how we view God as a whole. Um, so it's it really insightful and really wise. So I'm excited for everyone to read it. And the issue we also have, oh boy, faith, Christians, and the vaccine. Man, I tell you, if we posted this article on Instagram, 
the comments that we would get, dude. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. What if I just screenshotted the article and just did a, one of those multi-slide sure, posts sure on Instagram? Should be crazy. I think our Instagram would just shut down. <laughs> we would melt the Instagram servers with no. with uh, both sides. Both sides. Oh boy, I can't believe we waded into those waters. I love it. Um, also, we have a piece with Need to Breathe. You know, they're out there filling arenas. Still making great music. They have a new album. We talked to them about uh, also why the church needs critical race theory. Also how spirituality is transforming video games. And last but not least, an up and coming artist we love, Natalie Bergman is in the issue. Man, it's packed. It's like 15 Stacked. features again. We did it again. Crazy. How do we do it every time? Jessica Chastain, Unreal. Young and Free, Need to Breathe, Jackie O'Perry, Perry, Irvin McManus. Come on, folks. Go check it out. The brand new issue of relevant. And it looks good. Oh, yeah. It looks good. It, re- oh, yeah. it reads good, but it look but the but it looks really, really cool. The the design team. They 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 outdo themselves every time. They just keep setting the bar higher and then just clearing it by a foot and a half. It's great. Well, you know what? You're you're giving me a good segue. We we we, we evolved the cover this uh-huh. time. Why would we evolve the cover? Why was, mess with a good just thing? The well, number one. Because we're pushing mm. into a totally new era, era of relevant. Now, first of all, before I tell you what that is, head over to relevantmagazine.com, click on the magazine tab, and the brand new fall issue of relevant is available there. It's presented right now ad-free once again by our friends at UHSM. Thankful for their support. Uh, go check out the, the digital issue of relevant. Now, I sound like I'm saying, but there's more. But wait, there's more. Because folks, there's there's more. So not only are we putting out the new issue like we have for the you know, last few times this year, you know, since we hi- put print on hiatus, but we have two new things that we're rolling out this fall that I want you to know about. They're not quite ready for prime time. They're not ready to be released yet, but I'm letting you know about them. One, we are doing an enhanced version of the digital issue. We're doing uh, like a full readable tablet thing with the beautiful layouts and all the stuff. Like we used to do. We, if you remember, we had a beautiful iPad edition of the magazine. We're bringing that back for members and subscribers in our new Relevant Plus rollout. We are going this fall to be introducing Relevant Plus membership to our um, website. And it'll have exclusive content. It'll have exclusive podcasts. It'll have exclusive access. It'll have ad-free viewing. It'll have a lot of perks, but one of those perks is an enhanced digital edition of Relevant Magazine. So uh, that'll be rolling out here in the next month or so. So I'm just letting you know that that's coming and also rolling out this fall around the same time. You guys have been asking for it. We listened. We're bringing it back. Relevant is coming back to print. That is a big deal. Uh, We are doing it a different way, though. We're not doing a bi-monthly magazine. We are doing an annual print edition. It'll be a big fat coffee table, kind of like kinfolk magazine sort of thing, you know, big, thick, beautiful luxury item, sit on your coffee table, all the best content in beautiful print form. That'll be releasing this fall as well in time for the holiday buying season. Can't be more excited. So we're doing four quarterly digital issues culminating in one massive, beautiful print issue moving forward. So this is uh, the beginning of a new era, and the team has been working hard. Is still working very hard on both of those launches. I can't wait for you guys to see everything. I've yeah, I it, it's been 
I, I miss the tangible feeling of having a print issue. That's been something that's really important to me as an editor uh, to yeah. be able to have something like that. That's not just for the internet. So bringing that back has been a, a long-standing personal goal of mine. And I hope you guys like it as much as I do. Yeah. it's it, You mentioned that this cover looks refreshed. It is kind of an allusion toward the print edition and a new yeah. era for this digital edition as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, updated cover update approach uh but you can still right now go read all this great long form magazine content for free over at relevantmags.com uh by clicking on the magazine tab tell your friends help us get word out tell us your favorite features post them on your stories let us know like tag us like let us know what you like in the new issue we can't wait to see what y'all think all right well great job guys thank you so much for joining us emily and tyler it's so exciting to see it all come together thanks cameron Thanks. Well, many thanks to Pat Barrett for joining us today. Make sure to listen to his new song, Nothing Something with Dante Bo. It's out now. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, you know, I just want to reiterate, go check out the, the fall issue of Relevant. It is presented by UHSM. You can find it, like I just said, over at relevantmagazine.com. Just click on the magazine tab and make sure to keep following us this fall as in the coming weeks and month, uh, we will be debuting so many new, amazing, exciting things that we've been working on for a very long time. Can't wait for you to see it all. Also, don't forget, Relevant Podcast is back to twice a week. Starting today, we are going to be with you every Tuesday and Friday uh, with the same crew, amazing guests. Make sure to tune in, tell your friends, tweet about it, hit us up at Relevant Podcast on Twitter. We want to hear what you think. Just just excited about the fall and kind of a new season for the show back to twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. Don't miss it. Also, don't forget to uh, stay in touch with everything that's going on by following relevant on all the socials. You can follow us on Twitter at relevant. You can hit us up on Facebook where we post all of our content. Also, we're on uh, Instagram at relevant magazine, although we don't post there as much as we would like to that hopefully will start changing, but Twitter, Facebook, you will stay in touch with everything we're doing. And if you aren't on those platforms or don't want to have all that noise, you can go to Relevant's homepage and sign up for our daily newsletter, bringing you just the top five trending stories at Relevant every weekday morning. Okay. Well, on that note, we will wrap it up. I'm Cameron String. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We will see you all on Friday. Remember? Twice a week now. Tell your friends. All right. Have a good week, everyone. for listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on facebook twitter and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts browse the shows on the relevant podcast network which you can find at our site and while you're there don't miss the all new era of relevant magazine a new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com I'm the coach and no one can tell me I can't. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.